Your love was greater 
God, we come before you knowing that true love, real love was shown to us on the cross. Defeated death on the cross. The only one that could do that was Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only one that we can have victory, that we can stand on God in this life and for eternity. So Lord, I pray this morning that we would all feel that peace. We would all feel that rest that comes from knowing you. Everything on the table would just be brought out. Whatever we're feeling, whatever successes we have, whatever we're riding, whatever we're struggling with, we would get those things all on the table and then brush them all off because nothing compares to knowing you, Lord Jesus. And so that name, which is Jesus, is the name that we find hope, meaning, worth, life, healing, hope. And so, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we ask all things in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. It's, it's been an awesome morning so far. Everybody enjoying that sunshine outside? Can we get excited about sun? Can we get excited? Yep. My transitionals, I walked outside and I came back. I had to wait a little bit because it's so sunny. They were, they were nice and dark and I couldn't see y'all. So anyway, I'm excited about what God's doing here at Crossroads. A few things to highlight if you pass the friendship folders down the rows. Let us know you're here. Um, if you're new with us, it is so good to see you. It is so good to know that you're here. And if you're visiting and just checking things out, guys, it's a privilege to share this space with you. Would you do something for us? Would you grab a little red card in front of you, fill it out, and put it in the offering plate as you leave? Or go talk to the people at the Welcome Center. They have something for free they want to give you and just connect with you, hear your story, and answer questions that you may have. Uh, we're just really glad that you're here. Um, one thing coming up on June 1st is our men's breakfast. And so we have a rich history of, of the men gathering for, for breakfasts and retreats, and we want to kind of pick those things back up. And so we're having a men's breakfast on June 1st. It is free. All we need is for you to just register. You can do it in two different ways. You can give us a call. You can email us. The best way to do it is to go on the website and register. You can do it now on your phones. It is free. Um, and we're going to gather, and we're going to have a devotional and just really connect as the men here at Crossroads. And so uh, it is going to be a good time June 1st, 8.30 to 10 in the gym. We're going to have a good time. And then on June 2nd, that following, so that weekend, we're going to be honoring our grads. And so if you're graduating high school or college, do something for us. Send to Crystal your name. You're going to also send up your photo and future plans. Where are you going to college? If you're graduating high school, if you're graduating college, what your plans are, whether it's a, a, an internship, residency, a job grad school, whatever the deal is, uh, we just want to celebrate you uh, on that weekend. And so please get that information to us by May 27th. And also there's more information in your bulletin about this. And you can always give us a call. Let us know if you have questions. And then the following weekend, uh, Pastor John and Joanne uh, are going to be joining us. We're going to be having our Founders Weekend, standing on the shoulders of those who uh, have gone before us, the rich history that we have here at Crossroads. And so we're going to be celebrating Pastor John and Joanne and hearing from him that weekend. And so it's going to be a good time. After the second service, that Sunday, we're going to be in the gym having lunch with Pastor John and Joanne. It's going to be a good time just connecting with him. And I know they're really excited and looking forward to that weekend. So that's the 8th and the 9th. And then on the 17th of June through the 21st, we're having our Vacation Bible School. And please, yeah, can we get excited about Vacation Bible School? Come on. So do this for us. So in the lobby, there's a table and the team's out there. So connect with them if you want to serve, whether you want to help out with a small group and teaching kids, or you want to set up, help with crafts, help with games, or even just like, hey, I can, I can pray. Let that team know it would encourage them. And just so there's all kinds of different ways you can participate. And I think, is there any donations left? There's no, there's no donations. Come on, people. There's no more little things to grab. You guys all grab the donations. So that's phenomenal. That is, I love that. So make sure those things come back by June 2nd. 
And so there's little boxes out there. You guys can bring those in. And if you have any questions, please talk to Laura and the VBS team. They'd love to answer any questions. And then on the 21st, to celebrate that week and to just give something to drive towards for all those new families, we're going to be having our June Jamboree, inflatables, concession foods, and then we're going to end the night with a movie, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is a fan fave. Love that movie. And so it's going to be a fun time. Uh, make sure to mark your calendars, and uh, we're going to have more information to come. But, guys, it's, it's a... It's been an awesome morning, and we're excited about what God's doing. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And, and as we do that, I remind us that our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this series that we've been in, I know, uh, has been challenging for me to be a disciple, to make a disciple. And I know that fear is something that we all struggle with. And so Pastor Ken's going to be addressing that and challenging us as we continue on in the series. So let's go before the Lord and ask him to continue to move in this time. Jesus, we love you. And as we give now of our finances, God, we give to the mission to see lives changed by you. Human hands produce human results. And I pray, God, that for the new normal for us would be supernatural. God, we would lean more than ever we ever have on you. Lean on your spirit's work to lean on the fact that you save God, that we, we by our own strength cannot save somebody, but you can. And so God, I pray that we would find peace and rest and knowing that God, you, you go before us, you stand behind us, you go with us through all things. And just like your word says that you will never leave us nor abandon us. And so God, we, we trust in you, teach us to trust, help us to trust. And God, as we continue to become more like you, Jesus, I pray that we would bring people with us, our kids, our families, and those that we do life with, and that we would point them to you, Jesus. Give us the strength and power, Holy Spirit. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. continue on our series of discipleship on disciple make one be one can we have some lights please <laughs> i can't even see my notes <laughs> thank you let's give my hand we appreciate it as we continue on our series of disciple make one be one i want to encourage you this morning uh, that uh, that god has some big plans in your life and as a disciple as a follower of jesus he is working and he's moving and and he's never stopped working and so as we have been looking at this, I'm reminded that uh, when, uh, Friday night we had our preschool graduation here. The Sunshine Tree Preschool was up here. They, uh, they had the kids up here. The place was packed out with parents and grandparents. It was, it was a fun night here. But as I watched them up here, they brought these little kids up here, and there was like four-year-olds in pre-kindergarten, and, and they had them sing these songs. And then the one class went through, and they gave each one in the class the microphone. And, you know, that's always dangerous You give a four-year-old a microphone, right? But they gave each one of these four-year-olds the microphone, and they recited a Bible verse, each one of them a different Bible verse. And I'm sitting in the back of the auditorium. I'm saying, can there be anything better than that? I mean, here's a four-year-old, and one recited, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The next one recited, he is not here, he is risen. And they gave him some of the smaller verses of the Bible, but were such filled with power and impact. And, uh, you know, I'm just standing in the back. I'm saying, this is what we're all about. That's how we make disciples. We, we transfer to the next generation. We, we build into them. We pour into them, and we raise up a generation to be a disciple, to be a 
person who makes disciples, to be a follower of Jesus. And so uh, I just want to thank God for our preschool. Can we thank God for that, man? That, that was fantastic. <clears throat> and, you know, sometimes you, you don't realize the ministry of the church, what's happening. God is working in this church in such powerful ways. And so here's this preschool, and these kids come in here Monday through Thursday. They're in here till about noon every day. And there's all these people from our community coming up, and they're coming and going. And, and we forget. It's like, wow, everything that we're doing, we're investing in, in, in other people. We're building other people up to be disciples. We're following Christ, and we're helping them to become followers of Christ. This was the commission of Jesus in Matthew 28. Let's read it again this morning. Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 and 20. Let's read it aloud together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this morning, as we've been looking, we've been discovering a disciple. You know, disciple's one of those scary church words I always say, you know? Like, I I drove by a church that said, disciples of Jesus, and you're like, ooh, what is that? You know, you're almost afraid of that word out there. What is a disciple? Because it's not something that we typically use in in our culture and in our language today. But the disciple, to be a disciple is to be a learner, and we, we stop short with that definition because a learner, we think information. We think that, okay, I, and we stop at just knowing the verse, right? Knowing the verse is the beginning. Um, you want to you start and you want to you become a, 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 an apprentice, somebody that really becomes like their master. And so this morning, I want to share this, is that faith grows when we follow Jesus, your faith. So we, we, you know, we teach these little kids up here, and uh, this morning downstairs, they're being taught. We're giving them God's word. Why? Because we believe that God will transform their life. We believe we can lay a foundation in their life. We believe that whenever the hard times come, God will use his word in their life. So we're, we're giving them God's word constantly. This is what we do with adults, adult to adult. We transfer. We're giving the Bible back and forth. But it doesn't stop with the knowledge. And I think this is where so many times we fall short. We give the knowledge out and we stop there. Uh, we stop with I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but stop. we forget the application. We forget how that plays out when I'm 15, when I'm 25, when I'm 55. We forget all that and how that I am going to actually grow my faith. So I want to encourage you this morning to grow your faith. And you grow faith when you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus by spending time with him. Um, faith starts with facts. It really does. So we have the facts. The facts are Jesus is God, and he left heaven, came to this earth, and was born of a virgin. It's a fact. It's documented. We have the fact that he lived a perfect life. He never did anything wrong. He was, he was sinless. We have this documentation. We have the documentation that he died on the cross. He had a public ministry, three, three and a half years, public ministry. He died on the cross. We have this fact that Jesus died. We have the fact that he was put in the tomb for three days. We have the fact that he rose again from the dead. These are all facts. Uh, We have the facts that 500 people saw him. They were eyewitness to this risen Lord. So when we saw, when Jesus saw, uh, when Jesus was seen, he was seen at more than 500 eyewitnesses, people that interviewed him, people that talked to him, people that had lunch and dinner with him. I I mean, I love the passage where it says that he had broiled fish with with his disciples. Like that little detail is so important to me. And, 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 Probably because I like fish, right? So, but it's like, you know, it's like, wow, he actually sat down and these were eyewitness people, people eyewitnessed him. And we have the fact that he ascended into heaven. Those are all facts. And so what we want to do is we want to take the facts and we want to lay our faith on top of the fact. Because it has to start with a fact, but your faith does not end with a fact. So you have to continue on. And as we continue, we grow. Your faith gets stronger. Your faith is this confidence in a, in a God that you cannot see. That's your faith. And so we have this fact that we're, we're not here with faith leaping in the dark. We're not here because your mother told you or because Pastor John was here for 47 years or any of these other things. You're not here because I told you. You are here because there's the fact that Jesus is the Savior 
that he rose from the dead and you are placing your faith on him. And so your faith grows when you follow Jesus. And we follow Jesus by spending time with him. Uh, we'll go back to that verse there, the, Matthew 28. I want to show you this here. One of the hardest parts about this verse, I see going and making disciples. I see baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the part that is really challenging to me is this, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. It means to obey, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And I'm like, well, how do I possibly, me first, how do I obey everything that Jesus commanded? Then I start going, I'm looking like everything in the Old Testament, I'm looking everything all over the Bible, I'm saying, man, I fall, up, I fall so short of that. That's a, that's a pretty big mission in your life to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And I, I want to I just sum up what Jesus commanded was, uh, was this, it was to go and make disciples, it was to love God and to love other people. And at times I feel pretty good that I can love God because I just feel like that's the easier of the two is to love God. But whenever it comes to loving other people, that's where it's hard. And then sometimes it's challenging. And, and Jesus said, don't just love your neighbor, love your enemies. And so, man, I've got my enemies. I've got these people. And you've got this stuff. And you've got all this mismatch of life. And, and this is where Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm saying, man, do I obey everything? I'm working through this. I'm struggling through this. And, and so as I work through and struggle through this, I want you to remind yourself that it is about transformation not to be conformed. I think many people want to be conformed rather than transformed. You see, it's easy for me to give you a set of rules. If I gave you a set of rules, you can come in and conform to a set of rules. I don't do this, I do this, and da-da-da-da. And there's somewhat safety in that. I think some people find joy, they find comfort in this little set of rules. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm going to give you something that's far greater than the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments would would have been like so simple, right? Well, I broke the Ten Commandments, and so have you. Every one of us have broken the Ten Commandments. He says, I want you to love me, and I want you to love others, and I want you to love everyone. And so as we go through this and we start to learn this, we start to, we start to see how he kept growing his, his disciples. He kept growing them towards transformation, not, con, uh, not, not to be conformed, but to be transformed. Uh, Jesus always went to the heart. He, he want, you know, the Pharisees would look at the outside. The Pharisees would always look and say, well, this, these people worked on the Sabbath and they disobeyed the law and they would go to the outward conformity. Jesus always went to the heart. He said, the, the, the law says you should not commit adultery, and, but I have said if you have looked upon a woman to lust, in your heart you have committed adultery. So what he was saying was that everybody has broken the law. Everybody has fallen in these areas. And so he was pulling out and showing us that he was so, he's doing something much deeper. And so as I look at this, I'm saying, how do I teach others to observe everything that he's commanded? And the key factor here is this. He says, I am with you always till the end of the age. The only way that you or I will be able to follow and observe and obey the commands that Jesus gave is with his presence. He says, I am with you always. This is what Jesus tells us. As we're going and making disciples, you want to help somebody else, and it's hard out there, and you get, like, you get overwhelmed with it. He says, listen, I am here with you, and I want to transform lives. I am going to work in you. I'm going to work through you. And as you seek to do what I've called you to do, you can't do it on your own. And see, this is where being a disciple is so different. Pharisees, they were really, really good. They had this thing called self-righteousness. means that they thought they were pretty good. And they, they could conform. And that, man, they were so religious. And people praised them and said, oh, look at them, how they pray. And God's like, no, 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 no. Follow me. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the power. So this is the key. You, we cannot make a disciple. We cannot be a disciple without the presence of Christ. You cannot be a follower of Jesus without coming to his strength, coming to his power, and allowing him to transform you. And his transformation never starts on the outside. Never. The outside is the last thing that always changes. It starts at the heart. For out of the heart 
the mouth speaks, right? This is, this is where this all goes. So as we come and we look at our heart, this is where Jesus starts to work, and he transforms us from the inside out. So I want to encourage you this morning uh, to, to keep moving forward, and your faith will grow as you follow Jesus. Uh, Acts chapter 1, before Jesus left into heaven, we see here, until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. You look and you see after Jesus rose from the dead, he kept giving commands to his disciples. In other words, he was telling them how they were going to run this ministry. There was going to be 12 men, right? Uh, one, uh, it was down to 11. Uh, Judas, of course, we know he's no longer in the picture at this point. But he's working with his core group of disciples, and he's giving them commands. And notice he says, through the Holy Spirit. You, we keep finding out that he kept giving them where to get their power from. Their power was going to come from God. Their power is going to come from the Holy Spirit. We're going to do a series in the fall on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, real person, third person of the Trinity. Uh, when Jesus left to go into heaven, he said he was going to send the Comforter, G, uh, the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have some fun in discovering this. But he was saying, look, the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer, if you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and he's giving these commands through the Holy Spirit. Um, he's, he's been given these commands, and he's saying, he's taking you right back to that great commission. He's saying, lo, I am with you always, even through the end of the age. But yet, I want you to think about the problems that we face in life. I want you to think about the, the life that we live, because Jesus didn't call us to live a fairy tale. You know, fairy tales always end good, don't they? Have you ever noticed that? Fairy tales are always perfect. And if there is a problem, it changes real fast, and we get out of trouble, and, and we have all this. And a fairy tale comes and, you know, just sprinkle the dust and, and, and say it this way, and everything will be, you know, click your heels and go home, Dorothy, right? So those, the, the fairy tales, they're not real. God has placed us to live life in a very real zone, and so he's promised you that in this real zone, there is not a fairy tale, there's not a, a, an easy way to get through this, but he's promised you that he's going to be with you. And lo, I am with you till the very end of the age. He says, I am with you till the end. I'm not, I'm not going to forsake you. And, and so I, I, this is, as a follower of Christ this morning, I want to give you this encouragement because Jesus promises to be with you. You're his disciples, and, and he says, I'm going to be with you. He says, follow me. I'm going to do something extraordinary in your life. Follow me. And so as we do that, God begins to transform us. But yet we deal with this thing in our life. We deal with the, the, the reality of problems. We deal with that reality of troubles. I'm going to take you over to a passage this morning, Matthew chapter 10. What was happening in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He had been training them. He had told them, he says, look, whenever you go into a town, if, uh, if they don't receive you, just dust the, you know, shake the dust off your shoes, keep going to the next place. Uh, he says, go into the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, it was a training mission. He was preparing them for heavier things that would come. But he said, look, go into these places. He was going to empower them to do some of the things that Jesus did. They would go out and they would do different healings and different things like that. And they would go in there. And this was part of Jesus setting up his, this ministry. It was the 12 apostles. You know them as the 12 disciples. Matthew, uh, John, Andrew, these guys, and he's sitting there, and he's talking to them, and Peter's there, and, and he's sharing this. And so he goes through all this, and he, he tells them about, the, about how to go out and do ministry, he tells them what to wear. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He tells them in there, he says, you know, when you go out, don't, this isn't about money, you know. You freely receive the message. You're not going to charge for this, so keep giving it out. And it's just, again, another reassurance that, the, that what Jesus is about is not about money, okay? So you go in, you see all these things that he teaches them to do, and then all of a sudden the discussion changes. The discussion comes, and it rolls into this heavy conversation about what is really prophetic in nature. Some, some hard times would be coming. And look here what he says. He says, Matthew 10, verse 16. And by the way, as we read this, I want you to understand that this is given to this group of 12 disciples. Not everything that you see here is promised that you will go through, okay? Because it's pretty heavy, and it's pretty hard stuff. But I want you to see what the 12 disciples were going to go through. But we're going to catch the, uh, how he grows faith 
and how God wants to grow our faith this morning. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves, verse 16. <clears throat> and could you imagine being a disciple? Uh, Jesus, uh, have you ever seen wolves and sheep? Do you know what that means? And, you know, you're Peter, you're Matthew, you're sitting there like, really? Uh, Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And I'm like, I don't know if I know how to do that. Uh, can you imagine you're, you're, you're sitting there? Jesus had called you and he said, follow me. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and, and you saw this revolutionary guy. You saw this guy who was transforming lives. He was healing people. And so you left and you started to follow him. And now he steps it up a notch. He says, I'm sending you out like wolves among sheep. Uh, verse 17, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and they will flog you in the synagogues. If you go and you read the book of Acts, you'll see that all this stuff started to come true. Uh, you'll see that, uh, that persecution came on the church. Th- these disciples had no clue. This, they had no clue of the cross at this point. They had no, cru- no clue that there would be danger down the road. Right now, it's, it's kind of a happy time. They're, they're following Christ, and they, they're with him everywhere he goes. And, you know, he's feeding the 5,000. He's doing these great miracles, and people want to get close to him. And so who, who's, who's right next to Jesus but this band of men, this, 12 group, this, this group of 12 men? And as they get close to this group of 12 men, they, st- they keep pressing in, and they want to keep learning. They want to keep talking. And these guys are pretty popular at this point. These guys are pretty happy at this point. And he says, be on your guard against men. They will, they will hand you over to the local councils. They're going to flog you. They're, you're going to pay a price. There's going to be some physical beating here. And, and, you know, the disciples are like, what? I didn't sign up for that. I just thought we we're going to feed people. I thought it was going to be pretty happy-go-lucky all the time, right? Uh, on my account, verse 18, on my account, you will be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. He says, you're going to witness. You're going to tell them what you saw. That's what a witness did. You told the story. You retold it. And, hey, I saw Jesus. He turned, you know, he turned water into wine. He, he divided the loaves into fishes. And, uh, yeah, they didn't know that they were going to be telling about how he rose from the dead. And then it would go out to the Gentiles. So he had just given them this training mission. He says, I want you to go to the safe zone. Dust the... You know, if, if they don't like you, you just keep moving on, blow the dust off your feet, and you keep moving on. He's telling them to be gentle. He says, but that's going to change. And you're going to go out. You're going to stand before governors. You're going to stand before kings. You're going to stand before the Gentiles. And you've got to remember, for, for, the, for the apostles at that point, they didn't hang out with Gentiles. They didn't talk to them. And that was not even on their mind. It was like Jesus was the king of kings. He was the king of the Jews. He was coming. He was their Messiah. They're not thinking he's that everybody's Messiah. He was going to free them. And so when he says, you're going to be going out to the Gentiles, the, the, these guys are standing back and they're kind of like, what is going on here? But when they arrest you, verse 19, but when they arrest you. <clears throat> now, what part do you have a problem with in that verse? Uh, we're going to jump down to verse 19. But when they arrest you, what part do you have with that verse? It doesn't say if they arrest you. It says when. Could you imagine if you were one of those 12 getting this word? Now, when they arrest you, let me tell you how this is going to go. When they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. And I'm thinking, you know what? If, we, if this were the American disciples, if Jesus were in 2019, you'd be like, uh, Jesus, um, what do you mean when? You I'd sign up to follow you. Now you tell me when they arrest you. Jesus says when they arrest you. In other words, Jesus is saying that bad things are going to happen. And he says when it happens, do not worry. Do not be upset. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. Verse 20, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And you're like, yeah, I would rather know how not to be arrested. I would rather know, uh, Jesus, that you were going to protect me from all harm and that there would be no arrest and that I would just be enjoying my Bible time in the morning. And that everything will be happy and everything will be just wonderful. But he says, no, you, when you are arrested, relax. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about what to say because I'm going to speak through you. The spirit of the Father is going to be speaking through you. And if you go through the book of Acts, you see all the persecution that happened to the early church. And you see all kind of uh, hardship that they went through. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death. 
uh, uh, father his child. Children will rebel against their parents. They will have them put to death. And you're thinking, what is going on here? What kind of, what kind of mission is this that all of a sudden we're going to be having all these problems? He says, verse 22, all men will hate you because of me. Right now, people thought they were kind of cool. They were the disciples. They're following them. And he says, all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And he's talking about enduring this persecution. He's saying, listen, I'm going to work. And as he goes through this passage, some of it's prophetic that would happen uh, right here in the book of Acts. You see it just a few years later. And then there's other stuff that will happen in end times. But he, he continues on, and he's giving them this big lesson about hardships and how bad it's going to be. Then he jumped down to verse 28. He says this. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And you're thinking as a disciple at that moment, you're thinking, how am I not going to be afraid when I get arrested? You said they're going to arrest us on your account because we know you, because we were witnesses to you, and now you're telling us, do not be afraid. Jesus, we've never been arrested, but I'm kind of afraid of that. You know, could you imagine, if, you know, I've never been arrested, but I, I don't think it's very pleasant. I, I just couldn't imagine, you know, one day somebody would come in and say, you know what, we heard that you were preaching that Jesus is the Christ, that he rose from the dead. Uh, Ken, you're coming with us. And put the handcuffs on and walk you off. Uh, we don't live in a culture yet of that nature, correct? There, there was a time, though. There was a time that, that people were arrested. And we see this in the early book of Acts. And then we see what the difference that Christianity made. And, and you know, today we're, we're looking. We see persecution in our world. While it's not very heavy in our country, it is around the globe. And on Easter Sunday, we were here worshiping. And somebody came and told me right in between the services on Easter, hey, there's been a tragedy overseas. And, and these people were having Easter worship. And they lost their lives for God. And I'm like, wow. Wow, uh, how is this happening? How do, how do things like this happen? And so Jesus says, listen, these things are coming. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And, and you're a disciple and you're sitting there and you're saying, what do you mean don't be afraid? Of course you're afraid. Of course, if you're getting arrested for his name's sake, you're going to be afraid. And I want to share with you, here's a principle here. Faith and fear do not exist together. That's the second point in your notes. Faith and fear do not exist together. You, you can't have fear and faith at the same moment. And so this is a real struggle, and I struggle with this because I go to fear. I think most people go to fear. It doesn't mean that, I'm not saying that you don't have faith and you'll never fear. I'm saying at the moment of fear, faith has either got to overcome this fear. You have fear, and our faith is to overcome the fear. Faith and fear do not exist together. So what, what happens is, as we start to understand, we start to gain this confidence in a great big God, we can hear the words of Jesus say to us, do not be afraid, have faith. Uh, you said it would be beaten and flogged. He says, do not be afraid. And you know what, American style of Christianity, we want Jesus to take away the beating and the flogging and all the problems and all the calamity. And Jesus didn't promise to do that. Jesus was giving these men something that would take a good bit of time, would take uh, several years for them to come to understand this. It took time to understand that. And I think in my life, it's taking time to understand this. And I'm growing in this. And so we have to refuse to allow fear to take over our faith Rather, we want faith to take over our fear. He continues on. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall on the ground apart from the will of your father? Uh, they, these birds, you can buy them for, for just a couple pennies. He says, God knows when one of them falls. Did you, you ever find a, a fallen bird in your yard? Some of you people have a little bit more land than I do. But, I, you know, I've got this little lot here in Finleyville, and, and I found an occasional bird that has fallen. And it's like, 
Scripture says God knows when that one falls. And he says here, it didn't happen apart from the Father. In verse 30, he says, and even the hairs on your head are all numbered. For some of you, that's incredible. For me, it's about 30. He says, even the very hair on your head are numbered. I mean, think about that. Think of your wife's hair. It's just amazing. There's all this hair. I'm always, well, anyhow, move on. Always wanting something up there, right? Even the hair on your head are numbered. God knew, knows every one of your hair on everyone's head. What? That's a close, personal God. And he says, verse 31, he says, so don't be afraid. There it is again. Don't be afraid. You are, you are worth more than many sparrows. You, you are worth more than all the sparrows. You are worth so much more. God knows how many hair are on your head at any given day. He knows everything about you. He, he, he knows the sparrows that are falling, and you're worth way more than all that. You're worth way more than all the sparrows. He says, don't be afraid. And where do we go? Folks, we go to the worry all the time. We have a health crisis, and when we go right to this worry, and our minds fall apart, and, and I go to fear, and you, you deal with this. I go to the doctor for this checkup. I never used to go to the doctor. Now he wants me to come in twice a year. I'm like, what's that? He goes, you're getting older. I'm like, man, I'm only 50. He goes, well, wait till you're 70. I might see you more often, you know? And it's just like, you know, you, you go in, and, you know, even before I go in, it's like I, I get all worried. They put that pressure cuff on there, you know? I'm like, oh, Lord, I know. I've been eating sugars and all this stuff, and, you know? And then I, I jack that up because the worry comes. Doctor comes in. He goes, let me try that again. He goes, I don't know how they get this bad reading. I said, I don't know either. And he just keeps coming after, you know, it's just worry gets you all messed up and got to calm down. And, and this is where I go. I go to this worry. And it's like, God, what if there is something bad? You know what God said? He said, there will be something bad. He says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Because your heavenly Father has got you. And, and we're dealing with life, we're dealing with all the problems, and we're dealing with all these issues in our world, and, and in your world, and, and they're big to you, and they're, they're magnificent, and, and, you, and we fall apart in them, and God says, do not be afraid. He doesn't say don't grieve. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I, to the very end of the age, I am with you. I want to encourage you to grow faith that overcomes fear. And as we grow faith, see, this is what Jesus did. He says, follow me. And as you follow him, he's going to help you build a faith that will overcome fear. Uh, How about this question? How would my life be different if I were confident that God is with me? How would your life be different tomorrow morning in your office? How would your life be different tomorrow in school for you teenagers? How would your life be different wherever that you're at tomorrow if you were confident that he is with you? This is the faith that God was wanting to build. And as he calls us, he says, be my disciples. He says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Follow me. You're going to learn. You're going to discover something about me. And listen, folks, this is the difference between the person who just has the knowledge and the person who has become a disciple. You can have the knowledge that God is there and know all that. And then when the world comes crashing down, God says, I want you to have faith that is going to overcome all this fear. And that is where I want you to be. And I want to ask you this morning to ask yourself this. How would my life be different if I were confident that God is with me? I think it would absolutely revolutionize our world, revolutionize your world. You'd be able to make decisions that you could never make before. You would, be, you would be seeing life through a whole different lens because you see that God is with you. And you come home and, and, and you know, there, there, there's talk in the office that your job may be eliminated, that they're downsizing the company and your whole department may be gone. And, and that's when we fall to pieces, right? And God says, I want you to be confident because I am with you to the very end of the age, and I've given you a mission, I've given you a message, and I want you to go carry that message to the next generation. I want you to be my disciple. He says, come. He says, follow me. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body. Folks, we live in a world where we're afraid of all the temporary stuff, and rightfully so. 
because this stuff is temporary. I look at my life. I was talking to a man up here at the graduation on Friday night. And I said, uh, I said, you know, something about 30 years from now. I said, he was talking about aging. And I said, well, you know what? 30 years, we, we need a good 30 years out of you. He goes, what? I'd be 103 at that point. I said, well, that's not a bad gig. He goes, well, maybe if I could still drive, you know. And he just, just think about aging. Listen, this is all so temporary. We're here for but a season. And God says, look, I want you to have confidence that the God of the universe is with you. And how do we get this? Not through just knowledge. You see, you have the facts. Now you start to follow. Whenever our kids were younger, I'll never forget. I was over at the youth center and I was teaching to the teenagers and I, and I brought my, my daughter up on stage. Karee, she was about, she's probably a year, year and a half, you know, just, just starting to get the whole walking thing going. And I put her at the other end of the stage and I'll never forget. And some of you may have been there as a teenager, but I, I, I would call her and I said, Karee, come to daddy, come to daddy. And you know what she would do? She just, you know, and she'd come and I'd say, come to daddy. She'd keep going, you know. And as long as daddy was on the other side, come to daddy, guess what? She could do it, man. Do you remember when your kids first started to walk? Chris, you want to come up and do that now? No, I'm just kidding, right? But do you remember when your kids first started to walk? And, and they're like taking this, you know, and they, they come and you're like, come to daddy. And they go, they take about four steps and then they fall flat on their face. And I love getting around those, those first-time parents because they're trying to explain to me every bruise on her kid's head, you know. I'm like, just relax. It's okay. We know your kid's growing. It's going to hit his head 30 times by the time he's two, right? So it's like, here, you know, come to daddy. Come to daddy. And I'll tell you what, as long as you say come to daddy, as long as they could see daddy or mommy. Mother's Day was last week, but, you know, as long as they could see daddy, they were walking, and they would, they would bounce, and they would do anything because daddy said, come, come on. And, you know, your kid would start coming to you and say, come on. And then you'd keep backing up, and pretty soon, you know, you got like 14 steps in, and you were just so happy. Why? Because your kid trusts you. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us. He's the daddy. He's coming. He's saying, come to me. Follow me. Just follow me. God is, and, and here's what happens. As we get a little bit older, we start to recognize what's around us. I love how Jesus said, you got to have faith like a child, right? Because here's what's happened. As we get a little bit older, we start to notice what we're walking through. I, I could I, you have your kid, come to daddy, come to daddy. They'll just keep coming. You know, I think as they get older, you know, come for this, this treat or whatever, right? You know, you just have, you have to keep pulling them to you. That's what God says, you just keep coming. And all of a sudden, you wake up, and you see all these hurdles, and you see all this pain, and you see all these things that are just overwhelming, and it's, it's like fear takes over, and we, we stop moving. We stop following because somehow we've got to keep our eyes on Daddy because he's telling us to follow him. And as he follows him, as, he, as we follow him, your life changes, and your faith grows, and that's where you grow faith that overcomes fear. Folks, here's what the problem in our world is today. We look at our feelings and never judge anything by your feelings because they are temporary. They change. Many people will come and they'll look and they'll look at life and they'll say, well, I don't feel too good. Therefore, this must be the fact. And then they lose faith. Jesus is the opposite. He says, the facts, we have the facts. And you put your faith on Jesus and sometimes you may get a feeling with it. Sometimes you may not, but the fact, you have the fact that God is the God of the universe, that you are his child, you are chosen by him. He cares for you. He, you are his, his personal child. You belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says, that is the fact. Now put your faith on that fact. And then as you look around, you see it's rough out here. And you see the seas are rough. You see all these problems. You see all these things. Jesus told them, look, you're going to be arrested. Keep your faith in the fact that I am God. It's not going to be pretty. Keep your faith in the fact of who I am. And we see this over and over in the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more take care of you? 
And then he says this, oh, ye of little faith. You who have such little faith. And I think this is what happens. This is where, as a disciple, Jesus kept coming back to them and kept saying, why do you not have faith? Haven't I just shown you who I was? Why do you not have faith? He says, so do not worry. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father already knows them. You know what he's saying? Even when there's not enough to eat, even when there's not enough to drink, and even when you think it's not gonna be, you're not going to make it, he says, don't worry, don't have fear, because your faith is going to grow. Your heavenly Father. Do you see the fact? My feelings when I have no food, well, that's another story, but my feelings when things are bad, mm -mm. my faith is in him, and things will be bad. That's not the Christianity you hear on TV. Christianity you hear on TV says, send in 99.95 and I'll pray for you and everything will be better in two weeks. Jesus said, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to grow faith in you and you're going to have your faith in me and I'm going to transform your life. He continues, he says, so seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and God will take care of you. All these things will be added unto you. He'll, he'll make sure that you're fed. He'll take care of you. You're going to make it through. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Even when everyone else is afraid, there's no need to fear. You know, I want to encourage you to have faith that you go out and you can say, wow, God, I'm going to trust you for big things in my life. I'm going to trust that if it's your will, you're going to make it happen. I'm, I'm going to surrender to you. It doesn't mean that you don't grieve whenever you have loss. It doesn't mean that you don't grieve whenever you have pain. Listen, when we have pain, we grieve. This is, this is part of how God made us. But it means that I haven't given up on God because he's saying, follow me. And it was easy to follow when there was no hurdles and there was no problems. But when he said, you're going to be arrested, Imagine what it did to the 12. And I want to encourage you to follow him. Uh, th this morning, I want to encourage you. Look at here, Romans 8, 28, what the Apostle Paul said. He says this. He says, we know, not hope so, not feel like it. He didn't, feelings had nothing to do with it. He never, you don't see the Apostle Paul say, I hope you feel good. It's not about feeling good. He says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know this is a fact. So as you're going through life and you're facing hardships as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to place your faith on that fact that we know that God is working in your life. Verse 35, he continues on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword or jobless? Problems with our kids? Problems with our health? Unfaithful spouses? Dishonest bosses? Republicans, Democrats, whoever's in charge, right? All that stuff, and we can all lose our mind over all that. God says, look what, what, look what he says here, verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, in everything through your health problem, through your emotional crisis, through your marriage problem, through your job problem, through everything that's going on in your culture and in your land. He says, no, in all these things, we, the followers of Christ, the disciples of Jesus, who were watching Jesus say, follow, come, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's how it is. We are more than conquerors through, follow me. Don't be afraid when bad things happen. 
don't be afraid when bad things happen. God has not left his throne. And may I share, say it like this, have faith when bad things happen. Faith and confidence in this God who says that you're my child. And if you are the child of the most high God, what more safer place is there? And you're looking around and you don't understand all that he's doing because Jesus said in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. He wants you to have peace in him. In this world you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Look here, 2 Timothy 1, 7. God did not give us the spirit of fear. We talked about this last week. He gave us a spirit of power and of love. Self-discipline, a sound mind. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. I want to invite you to be a follower of Jesus, not a follower of a set of rules or regulations or any catechism, but a follower of Jesus and, and to place your faith on those facts, the facts that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin and that he came back to life again. And this morning, Jesus is calling you and he's saying, follow me. Just come to me, follow me. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to, to start that relationship. And if that's you, if you would just pray to Jesus and just, just give him this and just say this to him quietly from your seat. Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you and I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And right now, Lord, while I don't understand much, I'm going to trust you. I'm placing my faith in what you did for me on the cross. And Lord, I invite you into my heart right here and right now. God, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. Give me the strength, Lord. Because I want that faith and that confident, confident faith in that God. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe, maybe you just prayed that today and that was your first time you started a relationship with Jesus. That maybe for others you, you've been struggling. It's, it's been hard. It's, times are bad. And Jesus said, expect them. The times would be bad. And, and as we go out and we maneuver in our world, we're going to have fear. And I don't want you to walk out here beat up because you had fear because I think everybody has it. I want to give you faith. I want to give you faith in Jesus because in the midst of the problems that you know that you're going to deal with, in the midst of those problems, he is still God and he's never going to leave you. And his promise right in that great commission is I am with you to the very end. Lord, be with each person as we lay these things at your feet. Just in the quietness of this room, lay that at Jesus' feet. Just, just unload it on him. Just give it to him. Give him your heart, your heartache, the tears. Give it to Jesus right now. Just say, okay, God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not follow you, but this is hard. This is painful. God, I need you. And I need you more. Great God of the universe, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us hope beyond the short time we're here on this earth. Thank you for giving us something that we can be confident and that something is you. Be with our church, Lord. Transform us as we are your disciples. In your name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together. If you just greet everyone around you, God bless you. You are dismissed.